This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for September 24th, 2018. In this show, I'll talk to an author who's a specialist in media bias. Let's see if we can do a balanced presentation. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Coming up in a few minutes. So let's say Alex Jones with the InfoWars conspiracies. I don't think that's an issue that mainstream media should give validity to that the Sandy Hook um, shooting was a government conspiracy and the parents were crisis actors. I think it's appropriate for journalists to say, no, that's a ridiculous concept. How do you draw that line? Can you say the same for, let's say, um, uh, JFK assassination conspiracy theorists? Um, that's maybe a little more fuzzy. Um. That's coming up in a minute. But first, I want to remind you that if you value this podcast, you can sponsor it on my Patreon page for just a dollar or two per month or per podcast. All the details are on the website at www.challengingopinions.com. Wa Lone and Kwa Sou are two journalists with Reuters, and I apologise for what I'm sure is my terrible pronunciation of their names, but I think that's the least of their problems at the moment. As I talk to you, they're in a Burmese prison. Being in prison isn't fun anywhere, but I think Burma is one of the places where it's most difficult. Being a journalist in Burma is a challenging job, even outside prison. They were sent to prison for supposedly breaking Burma's Official Secrets Act. They both got seven-year sentences earlier this month. Also in prison is a Burmese police captain who testified in court that the two journalists had been framed. He said in court that his senior officer ordered the entrapment of the two journalists who were pursuing a story about the summary executions of Rohingya people. The Rohingya are a Muslim ethnic group who live in mostly Buddhist Burma, but the Burmese authorities say they are illegal immigrants despite having lived there since long before Burma got its independence from Britain. The Burmese military has been running a violent campaign against the Rohingya, burning villages, forcing them to flee and killing anyone who doesn't. In dreadful circumstances, more than half of them have fled to neighbouring Bangladesh, itself desperately poor. There are lots of journalists who are imprisoned or murdered for their work around the world. Worse still, many of these abuses go unremarked. There are people who speak out for human rights, but there are only so many abuses that can be highlighted. One abuse that was highlighted for many years was that of the long imprisonment of Aung San Suu Kyi. She was held under house arrest for more than 15 years, during which time she won the Nobel Peace Prize for her campaigning to bring democracy to Burma. 
Time magazine called her one of the children of Gandhi and said that she was his spiritual heir in the cause of non-violence. Her face looked out from a million Amnesty International posters who campaigned for her release. And she succeeded to a degree. She's now the Prime Minister of Burma. Aung San Suu Kyi was criticised by the world community for inaction and silence over the persecution of the Rohingya. Excuses were made for her by people who couldn't believe that she would condone such ethnic cleansing. It's true that she only tentatively holds on to power and that the military, the former rulers of Burma, can often act independent of her will. But when challenged about the framing of the two journalists who told a story of mass murder, she's reported to have flown into a rage, called the journalists traitors and defended their imprisonment. Suki has gone from being a hero in the fight for democracy to the villain. Really, there are no heroes. Do you agree? Do you disagree? If you want your point of view heard, email podcast at challengingopinions.com and say what you think. On the line now, I have Larry Atkins. Larry is a journalist, a university professor, a columnist, a lawyer, and he's the author of the book Skewed, A Critical Thinker's Guide to Media Bias, which is published by Prometheus Books. Um, Larry, tell me what your book's about. Who needs to a guide to media bias? Well, really, everyone needs a guide to media bias in the times that we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, my book focuses on the concept of advocacy journalism and the history of advocacy journalism, meaning, you know, like opinionated journalism. And then I get into uh, how that's evolved over the years. And I also discuss how people can become more media savvy in that um, in this media landscape. And and for the average idiot, in other words, me, how, how would I do that? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. One is to break out of one's echo chamber, mm-hmm. meaning at least in the United States, uh, if you're liberal, yes, watch MSNBC or CNN to confirm your viewpoints. But also, as painful as it might be, go watch Fox News to see what the other side is saying, to see the topics that they're talking about and the arguments that they're making. The odds are it won't persuade you. And same thing if you're conservative, obviously, watch Fox News, uh, get your viewpoints confirmed. But that shouldn't be your only media outlet. So that's one thing. Another thing is there are a lot of fact-checking organizations um, which are out there like factcheck.org and uh, PolitiFact and Fact Checker with the Washington Post, uh, which can debunk um, you know certain untruths that are out there. Uh, and, and I mean, just in general, to sort of have a certain skepticism about the news and, and breaking news and make sure that you confirm information through a lot of different sources. So that those are some of the things. Okay, I'm going to come back to the fact checkers in a little while. But I just want to read something from the blurb for your book. And it says, sure. while conceding that advocacy journalism is undoubtedly popular and has some positive aspects. The author, that's you, also points out it has many negative features. Perhaps the most important of these is its polarizing effect on society. Is that something new? 
Um, I'd say it's really come about in, in over maybe the last 30 years with the beginning of conservative talk radio in the late 1980s. That's what I'd say would be the start. And then Fox News started in the mid-1990s. Then MSNBC was in the early 2000s. Then you also had websites and blogs that had you know liberal perspectives, conservative perspectives. Then the advent of Facebook and Twitter and social media. Um, so it's been continuously building over the last 30 years to where now, I guess, it's at its peak. Can I make it perhaps a, a contrary suggestion? And that I don't think you would be, I don't think you'd be insulted if I said you're probably on the liberal or left end of the political spectrum looking, looking at a lot of your publications where you write. And is it possible that a conservative could say that, hang on, there's been advocacy journalism all along, ever since William Randolph Hearst uh, was running the Yellow Press more than 100 years ago, but it was generally, whatever the owners of the media thought, the writers were typically, perhaps idealistic, but typically on the left. And what's happening now is that you've got advocacy media, really powerful advocacy media on the right, and the left don't like it, and they're complaining about it now that the tables have turned a little bit. Um, I would agree to some extent as far as like, let's say the muckraking journalists of the, you know, early 1900s where they, you know, would have had an agenda. But I think for most of the 20th century, there was kind of like the corporate, corporate media in that obviously it wasn't a perfect set up, but the idea was to be relatively balanced and neutral and fair and objective. Um, and to some, I'd still say that's the main goal now with, with the mainstream media. Um, now obviously it's different with op-eds and editorials where they have an opinion, but what I would say is that I would say bias is kind of a continuum. And Mm -hmm. I would say that conservatives tend to lump all of the media to be liberal, like they would equate all of the media to be like MSNBC or Huffington Post or Salon.com or very liberal when they're not. I, I would, you know, if it's, a, let's say, a scale of one to 10, yes, you would put MSNBC towards the one and Fox News towards the 10, but maybe somewhat towards the center, you'd have maybe like a Washington Post at, you know, whatever, a 3.5 or USA Today at four, or a Wall Street Journal at four or something like that. So I don't think you can really kind of pigeonhole everything into one box. I would say there's kind of a continuum of bias. And I would say reporters are in the mainstream media really are trained to be relatively, quote unquote, objective, fair and balanced. And obviously what you said is true as far as most reporters are liberal and they they have taken those surveys, although a lot of them are independent. Um, But I would say that a lot of them do try to be fair in their reporting and kind of what's out, you know, hold truth to power, meaning that if it's a Democratic president, as let's say President Clinton, they didn't avoid the scandals uh, with Hillary Clinton. They didn't avoid the scandals. Um, so I, I guess, you know, we differ a little bit as far as that goes. I understand what you're saying, but is it possible that they existed for a long time, let's say up to the internet age, when journalism was a rarefied art, that it was typically quite small circles, and there was an ideology that was shared by pretty much all journalism, and maybe some of that ideology was good, particularly that they believed that they should be fair and truthful, 
and they believed that they should not insert themselves into the story. They should just report the story. But it's the case, isn't it, that that itself is a belief system that they were promoting and they didn't promote the opposite belief system. And I noticed you mentioned the uh, the fact checkers and there's PolitiFact and others, and even you could perhaps uh, rate Snoops.com as part right. of that. But you might have somebody on the right and perhaps like uh, Jordan Peterson, who's become very popular in some circles recently, who holds that the truth is simply not something that is that empirically exists. Now, you and I might disagree with that, with that analysis, but it is an analysis. It's an analysis that exists. And that can't be accommodated within that worldview that might be typical of journalists, can it? Yeah, what I would say, and that sort of goes to the concept of objectivity, which the, um, you know, the ethics codes, SPJ code no longer uses that word. What I would say is there is no such thing as total objectivity because reporters are going to go in with their own bias. Uh, biases. and But what I would say is that it's a noble attempt and goal to strive towards objectivity. And what I would mean Why? By, Why would you say that? Um, well, I mean this for like mainstream media reporting, meaning that... Sure, sure. No, but Larry, the reason what I want to kind of get onto is the uh, worldview that says that that is a noble goal. Doesn't that have to be justified or doesn't that have to be critiqued as well? Well, I, I mean, I guess I would, again, it depends on your media outlet, but if, if you, I guess there's an advantage to that quote on that approach by you know, the traditional approach in mainstream media in that if you're getting, if you're watching advocacy journalism, if you're watching Rachel Maddow, mm -hmm. you are getting a liberal perspective. They are not giving you total context. They're taking, they're, they're only reporting on certain stories that they want to report on. Same thing with Fox News. Sean Hannity picks and chooses the stories. And like, they're not going to give an objective viewpoint of Obamacare. They're not going to give the facts and statistics on both sides. A mainstream media outlet is more likely, I would say, to give the pros and cons of Obamacare. Obamacare, what's good about it, what isn't good. Same thing with the Iran nuclear deal. What are the good things about it? What are the bad things about it? And I think there's a value to that type of, of reporting in that if you're simply relying on advocacy journalism, whether you're liberal or conservative, you're not getting the total picture. You're not getting other viewpoints. I happen to agree with you on that. But I do think that there is a problem that that doesn't address. And that's the problem called the false middle. And essentially, I think that, especially up to the dawn of the internet age, news outlets were typically very profitable, and that encouraged a degree of laziness. And mm. essentially what happened was that journalists, uh, journalist articles on what you would call objective, non-advocacy journalists, essentially took the two most extreme points of view on any given topic and uh, got the midpoint between those and decided that that was the fair point of view. And that really advantages whichever side is willing to be most extreme and most outrageous, isn't doesn't it? Um, I... I guess, uh, I mean, to some extent, I, I guess it's not a perfect system, but I, I think it just has advantages over uh, advocacy journalism when they're not even making an attempt to be, even though Fox News says they're fair and balanced, there really isn't an, an attempt with that. You clearly know 
where they stand and they give their opinions and they're cherry picking facts and statistics. Um, every every advocacy website, uh, I think often right. it's it's obligatory to have in their masthead, we're the ones who tell you the real truth, as though there was an unreal truth as well. Right. But they're not giving the full total story, um, which I think is an advantage of, quote unquote, traditional media, which definitely has its flaws. Um, but but I, you know, I've heard the term, quote unquote, the adult in the room. Um, I, I guess there I, I think there is kind of a need for that. I've heard that term as well, and it's been used in a few different contexts recently. But isn't that talking down to people? Um, perhaps, uh, if you disagree with the concept, I guess, of even raising the other side, um, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I am a fan of both the mainstream media and of advocacy journalism. There's a lot of positives to advocacy journalism and covering stories that aren't covered um, either by the other side of mainstream of um, advocacy journalism or the other or the mainstream media stories that are being ignored that deserve to get coverage. Um, so, in fact, it's worth it's worth saying that a lot of stories that break now often break in ad- advocacy journalism first and are perhaps dismissed to some degree and then after some time move into the mainstream. That can happen. And and a big part of that, I'd say, is, quote unquote, I guess, again, over the last 30 years, the erosion of the mainstream media as gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. And I'd say for the most part, that's been a good thing in that anybody can start a blog, anybody can have a website, anybody can be on Twitter and develop fans all around the world, like spreading their message. Uh, So this whole concept of citizen journalism, I think there are a lot of positives to it uh, in that people can kind of like validate their own viewpoints. Um, So so there is a positive positive aspect to it. But again, there is that negative of the concept of polarization and that we live in our own echo echo chambers and don't expose ourselves to other viewpoints. If tomorrow morning a newspaper reported that the the Flat Earth Society said that the Earth was flat and NASA said that the Earth was a sphere. What tends to happen, and I'm parodying it a little bit here, but what tends to happen is that those type of journalists, that type of journalism, tends to promote those two points of view as though they were equal and say says, on the one hand this, on the other hand the other. But in some cases, one Absolutely. side is just flat wrong... Right, correct. Uh, Flat being the operative word here, and the other side is correct. And while it's important to be balanced, isn't it true that in some cases, balance means that you should just say, in this case, one side are idiots and the others are right? So you're correct. I I would definitely agree with the point you're making. And and so um, there are just certain stories that I would just say, or certain viewpoints that I guess are just so out there, flat earth society, Holocaust deniers, that you shouldn't be giving equal credence to, you know, saying, on the other hand, some people believe that the Holocaust did not take place. I mean, Mm -hmm. that that has clearly been debunked and obviously is not true. Um, and so it would be inappropriate to have a fair and balanced approach to that um, uh, issue. But there, I would say there are many more issues that actually can lend it. So again, Obamacare, um, the Affordable Care Act, where there are valid and true viewpoints to each side that each side has, that uh, it, it, I'd say there's a value that the public 
what, even if you're liberal, yes, have MSNBC confirm your viewpoints that um, Obamacare is adding people to get, get more health care. However, you should know that there are negative aspects of Obamacare. And same thing if you're a Fox News viewer. They're only giving you the negative aspects of Obamacare when there are many positive aspects to it. That's where I think there are a lot of issues that, that can benefit from that you know to, to give you to give you a far left perspective on this uh, and i can hear them now because they they parody this and they would be parodying you saying yes well on the one hand uh mr hitler uh, has made all of these human rights uh, infringements but on the other hand he's building nice motorways and uh, the trains run on time does that really stand up no, it wouldn't. And like I said, there are certain issues where it wouldn't stand up. And I used examples of Holocaust deniers. Sure, sure. But, but don't journalists then have to make a moral, make a value judgment to say that the points being made by one side are simply insignificant compared to the points being made by the other side. And essentially, the, the point that I'm making is that what masquerades as neutral is just another value system um again like i mean that that could could be considered you know a a valid viewpoint um and i guess uh you know i i am somewhat of a, a fan of at least an attempt in neutrality that that i i just think there is a need for like neutral journalists as opposed to like one side or the other, especially when it comes to liberal or pers- uh, conservative. But again, it does mm-hmm. deal with the issue. And I mean, I think it is okay for journalists to make certain determinations that this is, so let's say Alex Jones with the Infowars conspiracies. I don't think that's an issue that mainstream media should give validity to that the Sandy Hook um, shooting was a government conspiracy and the parents were crazy crisis actors, I think it's appropriate for journalists to say, no, that's a ridiculous concept. Um, so I think it's okay for them to have that, you know, viewpoint. How do you draw that line? Can you say the same for, let's say, um, uh, JFK assassination conspiracy theorists? Um, that's maybe a little more fuzzy. Um, but, but again, you know, it, it's a case by case determination as to, I mean, at least is there some evidence, some uh, facts to back up like the one viewpoint. And just to switch the topic very slightly, you've been around for a while, I'll try and say politely, you're a <laughs> university professor, you teach in Varian Temple University in Arcadia University. Do you sometimes hanker after the old days before the internet when uh, journalists did journalism and everybody else just read what they were told? Um, yeah, I'd say there's pros and cons to that. I, I, I would say the pro. Oh, you're being way too balanced. <laughs> no, I know. I, but because it's true. I mean, I, I do value the newspapers of the past and the fact that there was a lot more investigative journalism and that it was like professionals reporting the news and people who did it for a living as opposed to the guy living in his parents' second bedroom just kind of spouting his opinions and many people giving just as much validity to that guy in his parents' second bedroom who, you know, isn't going out and doing any real fact-checking or, um, you know, reporting or interviewing people. Um, So I'd say that's a good thing about, quote-unquote, the good old days. But, you know, times change, and I think it is a 
positive in that uh, the the fact that the mainstream media isn't just the gatekeeper and that a lot of people, everybody can have a platform. Um, and whether it's a blog, a website, Twitter, uh, quote unquote, the marketplace of ideas. And I guess let the best ideas uh, win. And in a sense, it can be good because reporters can't go everywhere, especially with the budget cuts that have happened. New York Daily News cutting half its staff recently. And mm-hmm. so there is a lot more reliable, you know, um, relying on citizen journalists who are on the scene of a shooting or a school shooting or something like that, and who have video of a bridge collapse when the you know professional journalists can't get there in time. And so, yeah, I'd say there's pros and cons. Obviously, you have contact with a lot of young people who are aspiring journalism yes. journalists. What surprises you? What gives you hope? What gives you? What takes away your hope when you talk to them? Um, I'd say that the passion that they know that what they're getting into and that they know that the nature of the media is changing and that news who know most of them say that print newspapers will not exist in 10, 20 years. Maybe the New York Times, Washington Post. That's what most of them happen to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 years ago, I would ask them, where do you get your news? Maybe half would say newspapers. Now it's very rare when I have a student say that they get their news from reading newspapers, that they're getting them from social media or YouTube or television or something like that. Um, And so I would say they know what they're getting into and they have a passion for whatever they're going to go into, whether it's sports broadcasting or entertainment writing. And I I tell them that despite like the the cutbacks in, especially with newspapers, that because of the new media landscape, there are a lot more opportunities that haven't existed, such as, you know, internet website jobs and uh, tons of television outlets that didn't exist before and podcasting. And there's a lot of job opportunities that wouldn't have existed. And they also have an advantage in that there are a lot more web savvy than older people. Larry Atkins, journalist, professor, columnist, lawyer, and author of Skewed, A Critical Thinker's Guide to Media Bias. Thank you very much for talking to me. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have you read a blog post or an opinion piece that you think is really right or really wrong? Tell us why. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com and let's discuss it on the next show. Go to the website for sources and links to what we were talking about. And while you're there, please like the show on Facebook, follow at Challenging O on Twitter, and follow Larry Atkins at Larry Atkins 4 and get in touch with me if you can suggest a guest or topic for a future show. Also, you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast for free on your computer, on your phone, or by email. It's all at www.challengingopinions.com. And as I said, I now have a Patreon account, Thanks to all the people who signed up as patrons so far. I really appreciate that. It means I can devote more time to research and to finding interesting guests. And if you can do the same as them, you'll find all the details on the website. Coming up next Monday, that's October 1st, I'll be talking to Owen Poindexter of the Basic Income Podcast. The Challenging Opinions Podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening. <laughs>